0: I'm Stephen Adams. This is Down to Dunk. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of CLNS Media at DailyThunder.com and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good
1: friend, McKellie Bear. McKellie, what is up? my favorite outdoor podcast spot has been taken no by some road construction so it can be either very loud or for me no uh it's i'm going to be on the sun like but like it's it's too hot and it's it's not going to end well but anyway i hope from some shadow but there's nothing here so i'll basically walk in circle around the tree the only tree in the park <laughs> that's away from the road construction oh no well but for the rest, everything is great.
0: Well, we've got a uh, we've got some interesting topics for today. I first kinda wanted to dive into Westbrook just a little bit because it's honestly it's something that we'll be digesting not just over the summer, but over the course of this season and for a while. Because I think that it's just like with everything with Russell, it is complicated. Like Russell is a complicated guy. He has a complicated game. He's complicated with his personality. It's nothing is straightforward. Um, and the thing is, there's some people that think that we like are kicking Russell on his way out the door. That we're like Russ haters now. That's absolutely not true. If you go back and listen, like we, the, any criticism that I'm giving him now is the same criticism I gave him while he was here. Like the defensive stuff, that's going to be an issue for Houston because it was an issue for Oklahoma City. Yeah. you know, Not a
1: small one, by the way.
0: No. Shot selection was an issue, is going to be an issue for Houston because it was an issue for Oklahoma City. Now, Houston is going to be a better rebounding team this year because they mm-hmm. have the best rebounding guard in the history of the game. They're going to be a better, well, I say that because you're replacing – Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, but the caliber of passing is going to be close.
1: Yeah,
0: it's, the transition
1: game will be completely different. It will be They'll com- have
0: one. completely different. Yeah, I mean, he's a one-man wrecking crew that can rebound and go yeah. all the way, and we know that. And he's yeah. going to help them in a lot of ways, and he's going to hurt yeah. them in different ways that Chris Paul didn't. But he'll also help them in ways that Chris Paul couldn't. Um, so it's again, it's not straightforward. I don't hate Russell, I think he's awesome. I appreciate everything he did for the city. I'm not gonna root for Houston though <laughs> like that's not yeah that's not gonna be yeah. my team. I'm not gonna be super excited about them. If you want to do that, that is your deal. That's great. That will not be how I handle it and i and I'm not sure that anybody that's on this show will handle it that way. If they do, that's fine, whatever, but we're not Houston fans. We're not gonna be rooting for the Rockets. Uh, just because Russell's on there. Um, So just be prepared for that. But we love Russell. We think he's a very talented player. And we're not trying to kick him on the way out. But just as we did when he was here, you can discuss how great he is and his flaws. And I feel like we've done that throughout the course of his career.
1: Yeah. and I mean, I get the part where Russ was one of us. And so you want... The best for him and this is clearly an argument that should be at least be considered um but the fact that he chose houston makes things extremely hard mm-hmm. like if he goes i don't know to miami and he wears that amazing jersey nice. uh the vice jersey and he wrecks the eastern conference and earns I don't know, another MVP, maybe a final, um Easter conference final. Wow, that's great. And I'm going to cheer for that. Houston is different. Like Houston represents something that in, in your fandom is something that you have a natural adversity. And so it's obvious, at least to me, that your feelings for us are at least conflicted. To some, to some extent. You feel some, I don't know, attachment to him, to him, but you also feel a huge adversity to to what the Houston Rockets represents mm. in his general manager, in the fact that James Harden left for basically five millions to join that team instead of sticking, instead of pulling out at Raymond Green, uh, accepting your role and accepting uh, a financial cut that makes things work. Um, Houston also represents the team that that you wanted to, to have here, a team that is built for James Harden. And, and OKC wasn't never that team for, for Russell. Uh, maybe it was last year, but injuries and other stuff came into place. And so there is a natural, uh, I don't know, dilemma, at least in my, in my head, where I cannot root for Houston. I want Russ to be good there. Uh, but I also, I'm afraid if it's too good, then what's, what is going to represent for, for OKC hmm. is it going to be something on Billy is it going to be something on Presti. Is it something, I don't know, like I have no idea how to feel about that. And it's, I think, okay to at least be in this limbo for, uh, for, I don't know how, how, how much time probably when for us is going to like in January the ninth when he's going to be back in OKC, I think that is the date, everyone will cheer for Russell. No doubt. I don't know. No like, doubt. Like, I don't want to be the guy who boos him. Uh, I don't think that is a good thing to do. I mean, Russell represents a huge part of OKC's history, and his decision to leave was basically mutual. That, that was really something that I think team and Russell decide together. Right? Mm-hmm. This is a good way, good good moment to move on. Because we tried, it's not going to work. And there's, I think that both sides were ready to move on. And so I don't think there is any animosity from each side in this deal. Uh, And you can really apply the word mutual to this. But from a fan standpoint, and even from like a sort of media standpoint, it's hard to parse how to feel about Russell. And this is basically his entire career. I mean, it's hard to feel about Russell in a definitive way because of his personality, because of what he represents, because the great things he does on the court and the awful things he does on the court. And so seeing him in a Houston jersey at least creates some conflicts inside you and you have to parse it. And maybe saying, like, reiterating the fact that he has some Deficits on the court, and that he can do great things on the court, is just a way to kind of try to understand how to feel about this. That's
0: exactly right. That's, I mean that that dilemma is tough. The, the definitely the part of like this could be awesome in Houston, and yeah. I hate that team. <laughs> like, I hate that team. I don't. I don't like the way their GM does what he does. Um, it's. It, there's something about that, and I think we had this, a similar thing with Carmelo last summer when he decided to leave and then signed with Houston. Like The the talk in the summer was like, man, this is going to be a perfect fit for him, and he will you know just be there stretch four, and he's going to catch and shoot, and it's going to work better than it did in OKC because it's OKC, and this is Houston, and that's how things work. Uh, and that's, that was the conversation and we can, we'll get, we'll talk about Mello here in a little bit. Um, but it's ultimately not necessarily a better situation. And it's, it's interesting to compare. We can talk about this now. Like Mello talked about the, the difference in between the two settings, Oklahoma city and Houston, and neither of them ended up looking
1: super good. Uh, I mean, like, you can argue that if you if you really compare the two, I mean, OKC was a wide success, and compare to what happened in Houston, it he lasted like ten days, yeah. <laughs> T- ten games, sorry, mm-hmm. like. And I remember, sorry for interrupting you, but no, you're fine. Like I remember us saying and the passing research that we did and other stuff was showing that yeah, Melo had all the opportunities in OKC, and that yes, Houston was a good team and the ISO thing probably would have worked for him. But we were aware and we said, I remember us podcasting in the summer, saying, well, yes, Houston is a good landing spot for him. But these are the deficits that he had in OKC. Like he wasn't a good spot up shooter, even with a good quality. I remember us discussing the fact that even on good passes from Russ, his percentage were OK. Just okay, mm-hmm. not good. Like thirty-six percent, if I, if my memory serves, and and the def, the defensive issues were abysmal in OKC, and there were like very little reason to think that in Houston that would have been different. Granted, you say, well, you have Chris Paul, who's a better defensive point guard, you have PJ Tucker, but it's not going to be easy for him there. It can work, and for. A few games, you saw the potential. The night in Brooklyn that he had, like the game before OKC, before he went to OKC, and basically was the last game in mm-hmm. a Rocket jersey. I mean, he was great. But we had games like that in OKC as well. So I mean, it's back in, going back to Russ. It's natural for us to try to see the good and the bad, and to to say why it could work and why it could like derail very easily with Melo. It derailed pretty fast. With Russell, the commitment of the team is completely different. We also said, I remember this, I mean, if it doesn't work for Melo, they just cut him and it's it's done. I didn't expect that to be that quick because 10 games is a very right. narrow time. With Russell, it's not going to be like that. Uh, they are going to make it work for at least one or two seasons, uh, at least one. Uh, and, but but yeah, I mean, it's, it's natural to see both sides. And maybe since we have this again, dilemma inside us we were we are pushing a little bit more the bad part because the good part is easy i mean russell is great and and so was Melo. not in his last interview though i felt really really sad listening to the interview <laughs> it was sad i do want to
0: point out that a part of like after listening to the mellow interview it has me a little bit worried about russell in houston that mm-hmm. i don't really want to see russell in like five different jerseys for the rest of his career you know like i yeah i i I don't want to see him bounce around and try to figure out where he fits i i would prefer him just to park in houston like let's or maybe one other team additionally but the way that houston handles things is clearly just it's basketball business and that's it yeah and they came in and told Carmelo Anthony, after 10 games, your services are no longer needed. And he was, did not know it was coming. He was floored by it. Like that, like, I, I feel a lot of, I, you know, I sympathize with that. It's just like, man, like that is terrible. <laughs> like that's so yeah. terrible. And I just worry that, like, Russell, Russell has a high ceiling and a, and he brings a little bit of a lower floor than what Chris Paul does in my opinion. Take out the injury stuff just on the court. Yeah. Um, because we've seen like Russell shoot them out of games. We've seen him do things that are really frustrating, especially this past year. If if you're yeah. frustrated with me right now that I'm saying this, like remember, if you watched every game last year that the Thunderblade, remember like there were games that were really frustrating to watch. And I don't want a similar story with Russell Westbrook. It's like, yeah, you know, we tried it for half a season, um, and we were able to flip him for something else for, like, two good players. Like, I just don't – I don't think they'll do that this season. Or just
1: Terry Rozier and, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, uh, I would um, be
0: so sad if he ended up – Cody Zeller. Dude, I would be so sad if he ended up on a team like that. Yeah, me too. Like, I don't want him on the Rockets. I really don't, but – I would probably prefer him to be on the Rockets, on like a winning situation, than to be wasting away on the Hornets. I mean, that's be that would be awful. But I'm just, I'm just saying, a little worried for Russell in that situation because they are kind of cold-hearted with their decisions. And there's, I mean, when you talk about there being no loyalty in sports, like you can. One of the cases for that is Houston, you know, like yeah. that's that's a part of it, and that's okay. like that's okay, like that's how, uh, you know, I think that's how a lot of people would prefer teams deal with players, especially with a guy like Mello. Like I think a yeah. lot of people would prefer him, like just cut him, and and people say that kind of stuff. I say that kind of stuff, and they did it, and so I'm not necessarily saying it's completely wrong the way they handle it. I'm just saying like if you have something invested in a certain player, that's where you can maybe worry a little bit. If outside of James Harden, like you can't be super attached to anybody on that Houston team just because that's how they do business.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that there is a fine line there. Like if you if you think how strange it is that two players left OKC for two teams that ruthlessly traded good guys, or at least uh, former All-Stars, in their contract for basically, I don't know, like Blake Griffin was traded uh, after telling him that he was the, the man there, and Carmelo was traded after four years of searching ways to get him there. And so it's weird that those franchises have... I don't know how to say this, but that they get players anyway. Um, it is it is smart ownership to not, like, if you have a situation that is not going to work, to not let it stagnate for too long. But you also can view from another perspective, like, Blake was the man in LA and he was let go. Uh, was let go for, for like, Tobias Harris and, and other other stuff. And Melo... He he basically uh left some money and decided to go there and after ten games, like 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 if it's nothing, you let him go. Mm-hmm. Um when like when he was clearly not the only problem there. There was some problem, but if you carve like the right role for Melo, which is very hard, you can have him. You can have him for fifteen games on the on um, fifteen minutes on the court in the second unit, giving him more touches and that's it. Um, I wonder on the other end, if if this is something that Melo will be okay, because one way is, one thing is to say, I'm going to be your 10th best player. And the other thing is, I'm going to say this because you realize I'm better. And so I will demand more during the season, because I think that this is something that Melo didn't process Uh, As of yet, at least from uh, listening to the full interview, he says, well, I'm I'm better than the 15 men on the on the roster. Sure. But the point is that you are you think that you are. And so this could be a problem moving forward.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, like Melo mentions, like the politics of it and he's never been anything but a great teammate. And I mean, and I, I think he is a good teammate. I, I'm not yeah. gonna question that, but I was also there for the the two bookend interviews for Mellow. First mm-hmm. day, Eric Horn asked him about coming off the bench. It's a f- it's become famous. <laughs> it's, yeah, they say I'm gonna come off the bench. Hey P, and like that's a complete joke. Like, are you kidding me? Like me, come off the bench, and yeah. so. He acted like all somebody had to do was explain it to me. No, dude, you were talking about how it was a complete joke. And then the end of the season, you said, I'm not sacrificing anything else. He said, I'm not sacrificing a bench roll, my minutes, anything. There's gonna, he said, I've already sacrificed enough. I'm not sacrificing anything else. He said that it was so crazy and awkward. We didn't really know what to expect from Mello. And that room was one, it was, it's a very tiny room. If you, if you don't know about that, that interview room, it's very tiny. It gets really hot when there's a lot of people in there. And it was just so awkward. And yeah, that Mello, like, he acts like everybody else is at fault, which is like a not, not a good place to be (laughs) whenever you don't have a job in the NBA. Uh, if he was I think if Mello was out there saying, Hey, listen, I would take fifteen minutes for any team a game. I made a lot of mistakes. My attitude and my my perspective at the time was not good. But now I understand where I'm at. All I wanna do is play. I'll do whatever you want me to do. If I don't play, that's fine. But he's out there saying like I wanna play. I wanna play the game. I wanna get out there. And it's like dude.
1: And I want to compete for a championship. I want to
0: compete for a championship, and like that—that is,
1: that is the part where you can see the whole structure of his interview fail. Yeah, because if you're really about the game, if you're really about just playing and and be uh, like part of the legacy. I mean, Vince Carter, who who is a great player, was a great player, decided to go to Sacramento, to Atlanta, knowing that the only thing relevant there was to to help young players and not competing like it's not about that I think that Vince knows what's what's his what's his, it's his role in a team it's being a mentor, a good mentor an example like training every day and working harder than them every day and if a contender calls, yeah sure <laughs> but if it doesn't fine as well i'll be the best anyway and i think that this part is where the entire interview and the entire idea behind uh what melo wanted to say i think it's it doesn't doesn't add up because if you're really about the game then if charlotte uh, calls you go there mm-hmm. if i don't know if other said teams uh call you you go there and mm-hmm. you and you show by playing one night and maybe the other one, you just sit on the bench that you are a true pro. Uh, and this is the only way I think where you can, in one day, and maybe next season, go into a contender. Because there's maybe, maybe LeBron uh, will will tell Pelinka to get him. Yeah. Maybe maybe that is going to which is, which was what Stephen A was suggesting. I mean, can you call some of your friends and <laughs> like? <laughs> Isn't, isn't there anything, like, I don't know, it's 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 really bad when you have to call your friend to get you a job because you can't by yourself. That mm-hmm. is really, like, scratching the bottom, like being rock bottom if you have to to beg LeBron to give you a job.
0: Right. But I, mean, I But I don't
1: think it, it happens any other way. Maybe the Lakers will sign him tomorrow. Maybe Portland will sign him tomorrow, proving us wrong. But but i don't think that as of today you can you can safely say well okay now Melo gets it he will be a, a very good teammate playing 5 minutes one night and none the the next one yeah i mean it's
0: you you're right he i would have thought that if the lakers were going to sign him they would have already done that by now you know yeah. and, and maybe that's wrong maybe they will maybe they will sign him but to me, he's a skilled enough offensive player that he can he can obviously still play. But it's the mentality, it's the attitude. That's what it is. And yeah. transitioning to another guy, that's about mentality and attitude. Uh, Draymond Green took a four-year, one hundred million dollar extension, um, and it's it's a steal of a deal. I feel like for the Warriors mm-hmm. to get him at that price. Uh, he it he should have gotten a massive raise from his like seventeen eighteen million dollar deal he has now. It's it's a raise. I mean, obviously it's a lot of money, but in comparison to what he could have had, uh, and a lot of people have been saying this. Like, if he would have had an opt out, he would have made so much money this summer. Like somebody yeah. would have maxed him this summer. Yeah, and I agree. It could have still happened next summer. I mean, there could have been somebody out there that was willing to give him $30 million a year. Um, Like the Hawks may have been willing to give him $30 million a year. But he took the deal. And to me, like the more I think about it, I think the Warriors aren't done. And Draymond just helped them to not be done with this current run. And they can, because his contract is a good deal... They're going to be able to find ways to kind of, you know, make this team work. If he ballooned to anywhere near the max, I would say that team is screwed. Like, they don't, they're not going yep. to have the flexibility or maneuverability to get what they want. But because Draymond. Or they don't
1: get Raymond. Yeah. They or they don't, don't have sign him.
0: Yep. Or they don't have him at all because you're not going to pay him, you know, $30, 35000000 a year because you shouldn't. But. The yeah. fact that they got him on the deal that he's that he signed is, uh, I think it's going to help extend the run. I don't know if they'll win another title or anything like that, but it's going to help extend their run.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you listen to other CELNS podcasts, the one of San is a great listen. And here we probably have been harsh on Dieter um i don't remember i don't know how to spell the surname you you probably know better Um, yeah yeah Um, because he's a complete warriors guy and uh, he he loves that he loves that he that he is someone who talks about the warriors and it's part of the family probably Um, but he's uh, in the last podcast he he talks about raymond green and he talks about how perfect these choices for him and for the Warriors, and he is right. I mean, Draymond is is very, very smart, and he, and he gets it. It's not just about the money. Uh, he knew probably that if, that if he went to uh, to the to Bob Meyer saying, "Well, I want the max," he said, "Well, there's the door. I mean, we cannot give you the max." And by taking this, which is probably forty to fifty millions less he gives himself a chance to be part of the trio that we remember as one of the best trio in the history of the game because he helped all the way out to build this. He is the soul of this team, Uh, not the offensive, uh, the best offensive player there, but surely the best defensive player. And no one will take anything from him because he always played at a discount. He always made uh, the choice in favor of the team. And well you can't be mad. You can't saying that you can't say that he should have taken less than that mm. than this because it's already 50, 50 millions below his market value. Yep. And and I think that from a media perspective and from from his career, this this could be the best choice. Because if they win a title or if they play for another one, like really, you you can view this choice like the one that made everything possible because Mm -hmm. clay took the max and ray was the one that sacrificed his money knowing that the other two guys are the real engine that can lead you to 82 games whereas his engine is the one that come in playoffs time when things go go dicey he's the one that saves you Mm -hmm. and so i mean i I really despise him in certain situations, especially when he kicks uh, guys in the nuts <laughs> and he, he and he, he's a a very annoying figure. but I kind of envy this uh, from a team standpoint, because if James Harden does the same in two thousand and twelve, we're talking about a dynasty, a yeah. different dynasty
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and again, this is not me saying like, that James Harden should have done anything differently, because it's his money, his career. What I'm saying is that if he were to do that, if he was to do that choice, like, this is the way to build uh, franchises or, um, I don't know, perennial contenders. Yeah, and, and it's hard. It's hard to sacrifice money, but this is what he did. And I think... Um, that this is a great choice for him and for the Warriors.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And last regular season, I think if maybe in February you said this is the extension that he gets, you may have even said like, "Wow, like you're overpaying for Draymond Green. Like that's that's yeah. too much." Because he he, I mean, you look at his season averages last year. It's not crazy impressive. Seven no. points, seven rebounds. He did average six point nine assists, which <laughs> that's pretty impressive for yeah, seven
1: seven seventy. A power impressive. forward, yeah, yeah.
0: But still, you're like, I'm gonna pay twenty five million dollars a year for a guy that averages seven points a game in a in a yeah. game where scoring points is the object of the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that you can look at that and just say, oh, like he shoots sub seventy percent from the free throw line. Like that's that's the guy, but. Obviously, that's missing the entire point, is that he's the glue that holds that team together and does everything defensively. But then you look at his playoff numbers. He averaged 13 points a game. He almost doubled his scoring average from the regular season to the playoffs. 10 rebounds a game, 8.5 assists, 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks. I mean, he really does everything that you would want for a team, he can play the center position. You can play the power forward position. He can defend pretty much anybody. Uh, that's that's a guy that you want if you have the two best shooters in the entire world. Yeah, he's he's the guy. I mean, you'd really want him on any team. He'd fit on on any team that's trying to compete for for a title or at least a playoff spot. Whatever. Awesome. If he's again, we're gonna pick on Charlotte. If he's stuck on Charlotte. Like what does Draymond Green look like? He's it's it's a lot feels like a lot of wasted energy is what it would look yeah. like. Um, yeah, but for a team that's competing, I'm really very intrigued to see what this Warriors team looks like with Steph and Draymond and no Clay and no Kevin Durant uh, because I think they'll be better than what people think.
1: Oh uh, well, yeah, DeAngelo Russell is not a bad player. Yeah, yeah. Like, he can do stuff with the ball in his hands. And so, I mean, I think that we are not counting him on the roster as of yet. Sure. Like, yeah, they got him. Well, like, he's he's a top 60 player, in top 50 players in the league. Yeah. Like, when you add someone like no, that.
0: No, no question. I mean, he's probably yeah. higher
1: than that. Yeah, maybe top 40. I don't know. Uh, there's There's a ton of stuff that you have to put into because his defense is not that great yeah. uh the shooting was okay but at the beginning of this season it was not so I, I don't know but um let's say top 50 for sure when you add a player like that to a trio that is already a contender by by itself basically you are you're getting something good out of it if they can find a balance but if they were able to find a balance with kd i don't see why but yeah granted he plays another position but it's this is even easier because he, he, he will not uh, overlap as much with the other two, mm-hmm. or at least he cannot overlap. Well, he may not overlap uh, that much, and so I, I don't see any issue on that. If he of course, sacrifice a bunch when Clay's go, comes back,
0: right? I mean, to be a guy, he played eighty-one games last year. Yeah, he scored twenty-one points per game, seven assists, four boards. To, on a good playoff team, and he's only twenty-two. Yeah. Like I know there's some people that don't like some of the stuff he does, but you also have to remember he's twenty-two. Like he's yeah. he's, a, he's, so he's still young. a really young guy. He shot thirty-seven percent from three on almost eight attempts per game. I mean, yeah. if that's a guy, like it, it's just funny. Like, in the summer, it, the summertime conversations are just can can get weird sometimes. Yeah. I think D'Angelo yeah. Russell's one where it's just kind of gotten weird. Where it's like, yeah, he's not that good anyways. Like, screw that guy. Like, he's he's not going to help the Warriors. Like, of course he's going to help the Warriors. And some people are like, why did they even do that? Why did they do yeah. that? Because, <laughs> because he's, a, he's a good player. He's a good player. <laughs> and, and they couldn't have – you can't just go get that guy. Like, you can't just yeah. go get another guard that can average 20 points a game and shoot from deep. And can pass it like you can't go go find that guy off the scrap yeah. heap or on free in free, free agency. You can't just do that. And so it is. It's funny the way that he's talked about in particular. But if, on the other side, if he ended up on the Lakers, we'd be talking about the big three, right? Yeah. It's just funny where you end up and what and how it happens and the in the fit and everything. It changes everything about how we talk about guys. Like D'Angelo Russell's yeah. good. Like he's a good player and the fit isn't perfect there. It's not perfect. But No, of course. But what else would you want? I mean they're they're a team that was gonna be capped out anyways. They were gonna be in trouble anyways when Kevin left. I mean it's it was a good it was a good signing for them. Does it make them a favorite? Does it make them a contender? No. Are they gonna be a contender this year? It depends on what happens with Clay. Is it really the answer to that? But does D'Angelo help them? Yeah, sure, he will help them. And he's also a trade chip, which is what I feel like people talk about him more as a trade chip than like as an actual player. But, anyways,
1: say that tomorrow Chicago comes to your door and say, "Well, auto Porter for D'Angelo Russell. The fit is clearly better, but would you do it?" Oh man. Well, I don't think I'd do it. Like I know that. I just want to
0: see what D'Angelo's
1: contract is. It's it's higher. Yeah. It's I I think six or seven millions higher. Well, put some put some uh, like filler. Um, But the point is, would you rather have him on the court more, knowing that he can be an okay player, but he's clearly overpaid? Mm-hmm. Whereas on the other end you have D'Lo, uh, D'Angelo Russell, that may be rightfully play, uh, paid. Mm-hmm. because if he blossoms into uh, like a scoring punch of the of the bench, or at least like being the leader of the bench, or and he's able somehow to to be on the court with Steph and and Clay, I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't do the trade, to be honest, because he gives you. A different kind of upside. If Steph sits a game, well, we'll see that. Like if Clay sits half of a season, and you have a good team because you have DeAngelo Russell, and you have a good team when when Curry sits, you have really something there, even if the fit is the fit is not the best one. Whereas like without Porter, you can argue that the fit is perfect because he's an off-ball guy who shoots off the catch, plays good defense, and blah blah blah. But does he give you the same upside?
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. <laughs> I might say yes to that. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I think Porter Porter's good. You should know he shot yeah. f- almost fifty percent from three in Chicago. That's, yeah, that's crazy. I did not yeah. know that. I did not. Yeah, know he that. was a
1: very good shooter in, in Washington. I forty four already. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean he's a great shooter. But I don't know what. I mean, uh, you can argue that Angelo Russell give you, give you gives you oof, the the best upside.
0: Yeah, cuz people talk to so, so people talk about like Robert Covington being the guy that they would get back in a trade for for Russell. Ooh, boy. Would you rather Why? have Covington or, oh, No, no, no. I mean Porter. Porter
1: is better than than Covington. Okay. Like, all right by a, like a good margin I think yes. the problem with Porter and it's something that I think cloud a little bit our judgment of Chris Paul and guys like that when you have a player that is overpaid uh, you tend to forget what he's about on the court yeah I mean 40 millions for Chris Paul well okay but is he, when he plays is he a top 50 player, top 40 player top 30 player, yes he is I know that 40 is a big, big number, but once you have it, it limits your flexibility. But if you, like, if you have Otto Porter on your on your roster, if you have to choose, like, between Otto Porter and, and Covington, without putting the contract um, as a part of your of your choice, you clearly choose Porter probably 90 times out of hundred mm-hmm. because he's younger. He shoots the ball better, he's more fluid, he gives you more upside because he's is like the the way he plays is is, he's more more like well rounded. But because he makes fifteen millions more, you say, Well I I don't like him. I I don't know. I mean it depends what you have to do. If it if comment on uh if if Porter gives you a better chance to win a title, you do it. You don't care about the fifteen millions.
0: Yeah, I uh I just think about that. You put Porter on that team, you kind of recreate what the Warriors were pre KD because he's he's like Harrison Barnes, but I'd probably like him better than Harrison Barnes. I think he's a yeah. better a better fit on the Warriors. Harrison Barnes, right? Yes. And so, to me, like, let's see if we can recreate that magic and get Clay back. But- and a guy question. that's going to hit—he's—I mm. cr- I, need to look at his corner stats because I'm sure that they're insane. But that's to me, like put the ball in Steph's hands, like put it in Steph's hands. If you have a chance to make a, a trade like that, and if you're—I guess the question is—if you're Chicago, do you do that?
1: I, I think you do it. I think the answer is yes. You, yeah. Yeah, but my point is, so if you have, if you have like Russell with the ball in his hands. And Steph and Clay, like you do the usual uh, stuff that uh, that uh, Steph does at uh, mm-hmm. the, the top of the key where he takes a pick and roll and then sprints to the corner. And imagine if you have the ball in D'Angelo Russell's hands. Yeah. There. I mean, the spacing that you have with that, um, with a pick and roll, or just with the pick and roll of um, Draymond Green and Russell with Steph as a, as a as an off-ball guard for the initial part of the possession, because the ball will not stick. It's not like a pick-and-roll where you dribble, dribble, dribble. It's like pick-and-roll, and then we read, we pass, and we move. That spacing, you can argue, is better than the one that, um, that you have with Porter. Maybe it's the same, but if you, if you look at the amount of contested jumpers that Porter have, it's, it has, like la- last season or, or the season before, it's not that much. Sure. Whereas if you if you look into the Angelo Russell number, the number of contested jumper is huge. Mm-hmm. If you give the same quality to him, I don't I don't think the results are so different. Sure. Um, and and you gain a guy that can lead you the second can, can lead your second unit, which is extremely important. And you don't have that with uh, with Ola Porter because I don't trust him with the ball in his hand as much as the Russell. So sure. I don't know. Like, um, and for Covington, like, God, no, like it's, it's, it's really not the same level of talented plus he he's injury prone. And so you you cannot count on him, uh, playing a, a full season. I remember him against Boston two playoffs, uh, rounds ago where it was basically useless because as soon as his jumper is a little bit off, it's completely useless, useless. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, I, I don't want a guy like that in a team with the with flow that the Warriors have. Right. Question, are we shifting to the Bay Area as a podcast as well?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I just... That I think we,
1: we talked too much about, uh, about the Warriors. I think
0: we probably did. I just think the auto-porter thing is super interesting. Um, Let's see. What else were we going to talk about today?
1: Is that it? Probably. I don't know. Um... Are you excited about Darius Baisley? or he's he, he faded in our priorities too much
0: I don't know he yeah I'm excited about him cuz i mean he's the if if your mind has changed about him it's because you have negative thoughts in your brain <laughs> because <laughs> like how like, how could your mind change in about him from the draft to now like if you were excited about him at the draft or the week after the draft like oh man this guy's got a lot of potential and today you're you've soured on him there's there's nothing that says like you should have soured on him like there's been no news there's not a, like that's a, the point a ton I mean, of footage no news. yeah
1: I want highlights
0: I know he's a I mean that's he's a mystery man I'm yeah. Maybe you have soured on him because his Instagram is a little weird. Um, <laughs> I kind of like him a little bit more, uh, but he's in, he's interesting, and that's that's something that Sam spoke to a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me, is that he he's a big guy that can handle the ball, and that they're yeah. really intrigued by that. He's yeah. likely gonna be a long ways away. Like that's yeah. it's possible that he's not, but I think that it's. More likely that he doesn't really play a whole lot this year, and that he's a, a guy that gets sent to the blue a lot, and that they let him handle the ball there, and that they let him do a lot of things there. Um, that's that's probably the most likely thing that happens with Baisley, is that he's a guy that's developed uh, kind of with you know the long game insight, and not something that's going to be developed overnight. And so, I would not go into this season expecting a lot from him.
1: <clears throat> so, or from your throat
0: Or for, or from my voice right now Shoot, I gotta save my voice for the rest of the day um, I, We did want to talk about Danilo Gallinari Who yeah. had an appendectomy And is still, I guess, gonna play in, yeah. in FIBA uh, Yeah, what are, the what reports are, your thoughts?
1: are He's going back in 10 days I had an like I had the appendectomy, and I was basically in my bed for 10 days. But I guess modern medicine applied to multimillionaire um, athletes is kind of different. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the the plan of FIBA, according to my Italian sources, is to play him. And that he joins for training camp, they will probably continue the rehab there, and then they will see if uh, he is... Fit enough to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a Thunder perspective, this is okay for the first. But like uh, to to be rehab in a pro team uh, environment, well, sort of pro team environment, um, in the with the national team is okay. Um, to see him playing after that kind of injury, it's it's a bit scary um, because like we know that Danilo's body suffers. Always suffered for high mileage in terms of time played and blah blah blah, and so um, I really hope that he's not fit to play, even if it's against my national team, mm-hmm. um, because it's 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 risky. And um, uh, but yeah, I mean the plan as of today is to play him as soon as he's uh, fit enough. When that will be, I don't know. Maybe it's just a one or game or two, and that's it.
0: Yeah, and Og and Anobi had the same procedure and didn't play in the playoffs you know yeah and so I don't know if that's his particular situation you know they at first said that he was going to miss two weeks after the surgery I think he had the surgery on April 12th and then he just didn't return at all and I don't know if that was his particular situation or if he wasn't going to be in the rotation anyway I don't know and it's a lot of speculation from there
1: yeah, and the talent gap between, like, probably uh, Norman Powell and some sort of percentage of OG Anunobi and from the Gallinari and his reserve is <laughs> right. wider, I can tell you that. Uh, that is, like, a lot wider. And, and so, I, I don't know. I mean, if he's able to shoot it and he has no medical issues uh, to do so, I think they will play him. Yeah, but again, it will be probably a limited role because of the, of the nature of the procedure. I mean, it's it's kind of invasive and blah blah.
0: Well, and you could say like, if Kawhi Leonard had that same operation, would Kawhi Leonard have played
1: in the playoffs? I think the answer would have been yes, right? Yeah, yeah, probably so. Maybe, maybe not because they wanted to preserve him and show him that they care about his medical status. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, Russell would have played. Let's put it this way. He played with a with a dent in his face.
0: Russell would so. have played. God, Russell did play with a dent in his face. He and that's yeah. the thing with Memories. Russ that you don't get with everybody. No, no, no. no. Golly, my voice no. is so bad this morning. Um, you don't get that with everybody. Because Russell, no. if he can go, he's going to. And, and he's, he's going to
1: a hundred. Not yes. like, okay, we'll see. I mean, maybe. No, he's going. Hundred percent from the first minute you put him on the court to the yep. last. Yep. That is something that you don't get, and it's not. Uh, it should be not taken for granted because there are players, and we discussed this um, in the first part after his departure. I mean, he goes hundred percent until the last second. Yep. He will not leave anything on the court. You can you can argue the way he does it, but not the fact that he does it. Every single time, and there are players. We mentioned Chris Paul. We mentioned Harden. They don't do that mm-hmm. every time. You can pinpoint moments in their career where they say, "Well, oh, it's it's too much," or "I'm just too tired." Russell is never too tired right. for competing, and it's something that no one will take away from him, and that it's going to be missed in you know, OKC, I think, mm-hmm. among many other things.
0: Yeah, I mean, with Russ. And and just watching a Thunder game last season, pick any season that he played, a majority of the season, you can never give up on the Thunder, and he's the reason why, is because he doesn't give up. He never gave up ever, even when—I mean, I think the classic—I mean, this isn't classic, but just a good example of this is the Memphis game in Oklahoma City, where they were so bad, and Russell was the reason they were so bad— he was taking so many terrible shots, and they were getting killed by this really pathetic Memphis team. It was the most I mad. led Memphis team. Oh my goodness, dude! I was so mad that whole game. Yeah. I was so mad, and then Russell's the one that pulls that game out. He hits like these two jumpers down the stretch to beat Memphis, and you're just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like you just yeah. you've got to be kidding me, yeah. He was he scored twenty two points on twenty shots. He took thirteen threes in that game. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he had four turnovers. I mean, it was just so bad. He was a minus one in this game. They won by four. It was just the most maddening game. And yeah. r- because Russell and like most players of his caliber would just be like, screw it, like I'm done. Like let's just let's just give up, let's let's throw in the towel. We're down, whatever, you know. After three, you know this this game is over. And Russell doesn't give up. He doesn't give up, and that's and that's something. I mean, you that's the kind of the worst case scenario. But best is game five, or I guess maybe it was game four. No, it was game five uh, against the Clippers, and we talk about this playoff game all the time where the thunder are down eight yeah. with like forty something seconds left. That game's over. And yeah. a thousand over times for out Harden of a thousand. It's over
1: for yeah. yeah,
0: it was. It's yeah. not over for him. Yeah. He didn't give up. They won that game because he doesn't give up. I think that's something that's a little that's not talked about enough with with Russ. Is that was
1: it against Memphis where he snatched a rebound? Um uh, they were minus four. And somehow gets KD the ball, and he hits uh, a corner tree with a foul.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, in that Memphis series, like the triple overtime, like yeah, just killer he flew, series.
1: Yeah, like I don't know how high to snatch that rebound from Gasol's hands, and it wasn't like it, it is an impossible rebound to take, and he mm-hmm. took it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. Are two good memories for us. So, I mean, we are we are not hating him. We will never hate no, him.
0: No, I don't hate Ru- How, you. C- like we could not hate Russell. Like we just no. could not. No. Um, but I think that we're going to we talk love about him a little bit more. We're going to talk about images, both realities of Russell. Yeah, is that there's two sides of the coin with Russell. Is like he's incredible and he's detrimental. And he was yeah. that with the Thunder in a lot of ways. I think he's definitely more incredible than detrimental. But there is that side of him. And I think we saw a lot of that side of him the past two years with the Thunder. I think he helped more than he hurt, but I think that... The the thing about the stuff that he does that hurts the team is that it's all correctable. I think that's the most maddening thing about it. Is that it's not something that... Like, oh, you just have to live with it. And you eventually do have to just live with it because you just feel like he's not going to change it. But... Like, the shot selection stuff and the defense and those things are like, man, like, we know you can do these things. Like, setting a yeah. screen. Like, you're one of the biggest yeah. point guards ever. Like, you could you could set probably a killer, killer screen creep. if you, you wanted it. to. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. I was, I'm was. i looking at the box score of that Grizzlies game. Uh, Every Bradley had 27 points wow. in, that, in that game on yes. 11 of 19. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. No yeah, that game was so stupid but back to the original point russell does not give up and no. that's something that houston i mean you look back at their playoff history and things that have happened in playoff series i mean you put russell in there like they maybe don't lose like they maybe they don't lose that series to san antonio i know you know or a few one years ago.
1: to utah if you're talking clippers
0: yeah oh right i mean for sure yeah I mean, he's, yeah. he's not going to give up on your team. And so that's something Houston has uh, and that Oklahoma City no longer has. But uh, anything else, Michele, on this Monday pod where we've just generated a bunch of content out of nothing, it feels like?
1: No, I have a meeting, as as, as always, in five minutes. And so I'll grab lunch and then I'll go.
0: Okay. Well, we'll let you go. Thanks for coming on the show, Michele. Uh, Follow McKellie on Twitter at Mikey Barrett. He's a great follow. You can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. You can follow our podcast. Also a great
1: follow. (laughs) Thank
0: you. (laughs) Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Uh, Leave us a five-star iTunes review if you've got some time. If you're a new listener, thanks for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show. Go hit five stars on Apple Podcasts. It's the Purple Podcast app. Click on it. Search Down to Dunk. Hit five stars. Super simple. Uh, takes you 20 seconds to do it. And it's something that's really helpful to us. So uh, take some time to do that. Uh, go to be org, get your swab kit, send it back to them. It's not going to take you any time to do that. You're going to save somebody's life. Get yourself in the registry uh, and just put yourself in a position to save somebody's life. That's something that you could do today that you can't do every day. And that is... It's something small that you can do that can make a massive impact. So please do that. We just want to have everybody that can be registered to register for that. So please go to be bethematch.org today. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. With my good friend, Alex Pierce.